Matthew chapter 5. Matthew chapter 5. It kind of reminds me of Willy Wonka. Remember Willy Wonka? They sent that dude, anyways, those little particles. But uh, I'm not sure how all that works. Matthew chapter 5, verses 33 through 37, talking today about the weight of your word, the weight of your word. I heard a story about an older man, and he was standing in front of his mirror at the house, and uh, he was looking at himself in the mirror, and he said, man, where in the world did the athlete go? Who is this old man looking at me with his old skinny arms and chest that's sagging and waist that's hanging down below my belt and balding head? And he was feeling sorry for himself, so he said, honey, Can you please tell me something positive? But I need you to be honest. And and she said, well, you got good eyesight. (laughs) So this morning, talking about truth-telling. You know, when you're talking about being honest, always, always be honest with what you say. Always be honest with what you say. But just because you're honest doesn't mean it needs to be said. So you got to be careful. uh, But always be honest with what you say say along the way. Uh, uh, When we're talking today about uh, lies and being honest and being a person of our word, some people pride themselves as being brutally honest, and I don't know if it's brutally honest or just brutal. Sometimes uh, we can be very harsh, but at the end of the day, uh, we're talking today about an issue. Jesus has been preaching through this Sermon on the Mount, and, uh, and, and he's addressing an issue today that everybody in this building, somewhere along the way, uh, uh, has, has not told the whole truth. <clears throat> the Bible says in Psalm 58, verse number 3, Psalm 58, and in verse number 3, The wicked are estranged from the womb. These who speak lies go astray from birth. In other words, what's he saying? What is the psalm? The psalmist is simply saying, hey, listen, when you were born, when you were born, you were born with this fallen nature that's prone to wander. You were born with a nature that does, in fact, lie. When you think about children, little children, you don't have to teach a child how to lie. They just know how. They're pre-programmed. They come out born that way with a fallen nature. And so you try to teach them uh, uh, to tell the truth and the whole truth and nothing but the truth. And uh, my mama used to teach me that. She, she would, my mama was old school, though. My mama was old school. You know, mama, my mama would take soap and stick it in my mouth uh, if, if she caught me telling something not true or saying a bad word or telling. Y'all ever, anybody have that done to them? Or, man, my mama used to do that, and I would say, Mama, Mama, the problem's not with my tongue, it's with my heart. And so she'd try to sh- shove that soap down there. But, uh, <laughs> Just talking today about an issue that all of us had, we were born that way. As little children, we would look around and we would say, liar, liar, pants, remember that when you were a kid? Liar, liar, pants on fire. And uh, I used to love finding people in a lie so I could just say that. You know, liar, liar, pants on fire. And I thought about that and I was like, man, you know what? At at the end of the day, we're all, we're all people with burning britches. We're all liars somewhere along the way. Everybody has lied. We've struggled with this along the way. And uh, in fact, there was, a, there was a survey done on truth-telling and uh, said that 86% of, of people have confessed to lying to their parents. 86%. I thought about that statistic, and I thought, well, the other 14 just flat lie. But anyways, uh, 75... Hey, by the way, by the way, this morning, if you're a parent here and you feel like, my child would never lie to me. Okay. We'll save that for another day. 75% have confessed to lying to friends. 73% say to siblings, it's like, good night. That's pretty low. 69% to their spouse. 
Uh, but when we're talking about this issue, it's a very serious subject because God hates lying. In fact, the devil is the father of lies. And uh, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And so God help us to be truth-telling people. The Bible says back in Proverbs chapter number 6, it's so easy to look around at people that struggle with different issues that I don't struggle with and say, wow, that's an abomination to God. And uh, which, you know, okay, that's, yes, that's true. But the Bible says in Proverbs chapter 6, verse 16 through 19, there are six things which the Lord hates. Yes, seven, which are an abomination to him. Haughty eyes, <clears throat> a lying tongue, and hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that devises wicked plans, feet that run rapidly to evil, a false witness who utters lies, and one who spreads strife among the brothers. And when he's talking about these issues, if you notice there, he's, uh, several of them have to do with the tongue, uh, lies. Uh, and so God help us, because when you're talking about lies and the father of lies, it was a lie that cursed the world and crucified the Savior. And so God help us to be, again, truth tellers. Matthew chapter number 5, the Bible says, beginning in verse number 33, little section in the Sermon on the Mount, Again, you have heard that the ancients were told, you shall not make false vows, but shall fulfill your vows to the Lord. But I say to you, make no oath at all, either by heaven, for it is the throne of God, or by earth, for it is the footstool of his feet, or by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king. Nor shall you make an oath by your head, for you cannot make one hair white or black. Verse 37, but let your statement be yes, yes, or no, no. Anything beyond these is of evil. And so what's happening here is the, the, the Pharisees came along, and uh, they were taking the law of God. They were taking the word of God, and they were being very liberal in their application of the word because they wanted to feel good about themselves. They wanted to feel spiritual about themselves. And so what they would do is they would find loopholes in the law, and then they would begin teaching that to people. Now, what we have to Remember is that the people being addressed here did not have a copy of God's Word. So today we're without excuse. It's no excuse for following somebody that's not preaching the truth. There's no excuse and just saying, well, that's what they told me. That's what the preacher said. Well, is that what the Word of God said? I pray to God that what the preacher says and what the Word of God says is one and the same. But we got to be careful today because a lot of times we just listen. And these people, though, did not have copies of God's Word, so they were simply listening, and they were being led astray because of a liberal interpretation of God's Word. And so Jesus comes along, and Jesus is just simply saying, hey, you guys have established, you guys have established, the religious system has established a works salvation. In other words, I, I can attain to righteousness by my own actions. And that was never the intent of the law. The intent of the law was never so that I might attain to my salvation, that I might be good enough to go to heaven one day. But rather, the law of God is there as a mirror so that we can see ourselves clearly. And a lot of times, if we, and, and, and in fact, James even uses that as an illustration. He says, hey, the word of God is like a mirror. And, and, and so when you go and stand in front of a mirror, you look and you see the flaws on yourself. You see things that need to be fixed up. And you so say, that's what the Word of God does. That's what the law of God does. It doesn't, it's not written so that we can say, wow, I'm a pretty good dude. You know, that's not the reason for the law. The law was there to say, man, God, I need a Savior. I need salvation. I need a Messiah. 
that would pay the price for my sin because I have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And so Jesus comes, and when Jesus comes, he's teaching and he's correcting, and he's simply saying, hey, listen, you've heard it said, here's what the law says, but here's what you're being taught. And so he begins this little section of Scripture with the declaration of the law in verse number 33. He's quoting the law that's been twisted. He's quoting from the law that they'd found a loophole in. Again, you heard that the ancients were told, you shall not make false vows, but shall fulfill your vows to the Lord. And so Jesus is referring to two Old Testament principles that are being taught here. Uh, In fact, when you're talking about this very verse of Scripture, he uses two terms for vows. And we find both of those in the Old Testament, and and they they actually have a little uh, slightly different meaning. The first vow means to swear falsely, to swear falsely. What's he saying? He's saying, for example, to commit perjury. I'm taking an oath, but I'm swearing falsely. And we're not to swear falsely. We're to tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth, right? When you're in the court of law, we're to tell the truth and the whole truth. And so this one has to do with perjury. It's found in Leviticus 19 and verse number 12. From Leviticus chapter 19 and verse number 12. And this is what the Old Testament law says. It says, You shall uh, not swear falsely by my name so as to profane the name of your God. I am the Lord. And so the first one has to do with perjury. The second vow in this verse of Scripture has to do with the binding together, to be bound together, a vow that binds us together. And if you look at the Old Testament, Numbers chapter number 30, over in Numbers and chapter number 30, and the Bible says in verse number 2, if a man makes a vow to the Lord or takes an oath to bind himself with a binding obligation, he shall not violate his word. He shall do according to all that proceeds out of his mouth. And then again in Deuteronomy chapter number 23 and in verse number 21. Deuteronomy 23 and 21. When you make a vow to the Lord your God, you shall not delay to pay it, for it would be sin in you, and the Lord your God will surely require it of you. And so he's basically just saying, simply saying, hey, there's two different forms of vows being talked about here, and, uh, and the second one has to do with being bound together. For example, we would say that would be the vows that we take in a marriage ceremony. You know, in a marriage ceremony where, where, where the husband and the wife come together and, 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 and we talk about, you know, do you and the promise of God and these assembled witnesses promise to love and to cherish and sickness and health and good times and bad times and everything in between? Do you? And we say, I do. And, and, and we're making a vow to God not to be broken, to be bound together. And so he's saying, here's the things. Here's what's being hit on. The Old Testament did not prohibit uh, these oaths. And so what's happened? In fact, when you're looking through the Old Testament, you'll find it practiced by all of the Old Testament saints as well as even God himself. In the Old Testament, Abraham practiced making oaths in Genesis chapter number 14 and in verse number 22 and in verse number 23. Abram said to the king of Sodom, I have sworn to the Lord God most high, possessor of heaven and earth, that I will not take a thread or a sandal uh, thong or any Anything that is yours for fear, you would say, I have made Abram rich. Genesis chapter 26 and verse number 31. Genesis chapter 26 and verse number 31. In the morning they rose and exchanged oaths. Then Isaac sent them away, and they departed from him in peace. Isaac, 
Genesis chapter 31, verse number 53. Genesis 31, verse number 53. The Lord God of Abram, Abraham and the God of Nahor, the God of the Father, judged between us. So Jacob swore by the fear of his father Isaac. And so they're making vows together. They're making oaths together. Psalm 132, verses number 2 through 5. Psalm 132, verses 2 through 5. David how he swore to the Lord and vowed to the mighty one of Jacob. Surely I will not enter my house nor lie on my bed. I will not give sleep to my eyes or slumber to my eyelids until I find a place for the Lord, a dwelling place for the mighty one of Jacob. And so there were vows made throughout the Old Testament. And then in the New Testament, it makes reference to even God himself entering into vows and covenants with people. Luke chapter number 1, verse number 73. I'm going somewhere, so stick with me for a minute. Luke chapter 1, verse number 73. The oath which he swore to Abraham, our father. Acts chapter number 2, verse number 30. Another oath that's being made. Acts chapter 2, verse number 30. And so because he was a prophet and knew that God had sworn to him with an oath to seat one of his descendants, on his throne. And so when you're looking through the Bible, we see oaths that are being made. In fact, today we all enter, or not all of us, but many of us have entered into oaths or covenants or, or, or making vows. Uh, we do that when we are in the courtroom. Uh, we stand before a judge and we swear to tell the truth, the whole truth, nothing but the truth. If we got married, we entered into vows before God and to our spouse as well. And so is it prohibiting every form of vow making? What is he talking about here? Because when you're talking about the Sermon on the Mount, he already said, Matthew chapter 5, back in verse number 17, he said, I didn't come to abolish, but to fulfill. And so the question would have to be asked, then what are we talking about? What was the problem that he was addressing that was happening among the religious crowd, among those that are supposed to be God followers? And so he goes on in verse number 34, and there are some practices that are prohibited. The practices that are prohibited. So he quotes from the Old Testament, and then he goes into uh, 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 the problem. And so here's where the problem lies among the religious people. Verses number 34 through 36. But I say to you, make no oath at all, either by heaven, for it is the throne of God, or by earth, for it is the footstool of his feet, or by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king, nor shall you make an oath by your head, for you cannot make one hair white or black. And so what was happening with the religious crowd and, and, is, is they were categorized two different types of oaths that they would make, two different types of vows that they would make. And what they would do is they would say, hey, listen, when you're talking about the law, they would use part of the law and not the whole law, and the part of the law that they would refer to would be, hey, if you're making an oath to God, then you cannot break that oath. If you're making a vow to God, you cannot break that vow. But if you're making it to something else then it can be broken. And so, and so what they're saying is, I want to be able to persuade people. I want to be able to add extra emphasis, which is what oath-making is. Oath is invoking the name of something or someone greater than themselves to give more weight or credibility. And so what's happening here is the Jews would call on all kinds of things. They would say, man, I, I, I'm swearing by heaven. I'm swearing by the earth. Just as sure as the sun rises... 
Uh, uh, they would talk about the city of Jerusalem, the city of the king, and by the, by the hairs on my head. And, uh, and, and they swore by everything. And so what Jesus is talking about here is hypocritical oath-making because what you're doing is you're becoming a liar. And when you become a liar, you've removed the weight of your word. Your word's no longer good for anything. And God help us be people that speak truth, that deal truthfully and honestly with one another. And don't get flippant when we talk about things and when we make pledges before people. Don't be flippant. If you make a pledge, deliver on your pledge. <laughs> Perfect timing. <laughs> can, I, can I use a story? I'm, I'm grateful to God. I am so grateful to God for our youth workers because they are people of their word. They are people of their word. Our, our youth just went up there to... Uh, to <laughs> can I tell a story? Okay, thank you. So, so our youth... I, I, I didn't know if I could... I didn't ask for permission on this one, so... But our youth just went up to uh, wherever y'all went this week. Out of town, Pelham. Pelham, Georgia. And, uh, and, and they, were, they had this truth wall up there. Not truth wall, this... Uh, Team building wall, right? Team building wall. And to see if you can climb over it. And, and so, and so they're like, man, they're trying to climb over that thing. It's, it's intended to be climbed as a team, as a group, not individually. And, and of course, one of the kids were like, man, I could do that thing. I could do that thing. And, and one of the leaders said, man, I'd give you a hundred bucks if you can do that thing. And uh, that kid did it. And I'm not as proud of that boy doing that as I am or the youth leader that said, hey, here's a hundred bucks. I, I gave you my word. <laughs> it cost him. So the point being, be careful what you say. <laughs> but make sure, but make sure you deliver on your word. And that's exactly what Jesus is talking about in this passage of Scripture. How many times do we in conversation, have we or have we heard people invoking something or someone greater than ourselves, entering into some type of an oath uh, uh, to add to the credibility, to add to the weight of what we're talking about. You ever heard somebody make mention of those things? Maybe you've even mentioned those things. Sometimes we'll just swear by ourselves. I swear as if it adds more weight to your credibility. Or we'll say things like serious as a heart attack. Or, 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 or when you're a child, a lot of times what we do is we promise and we, and we add, I promise, uh, but we have our fingers crossed in our back pocket. Uh, I don't, I've never done that, but I've seen that done. Uh, cross my heart, hope to die, stick a needle in my eye. You ever heard that phrase used? And, and what we're doing is we're trying to say, really, 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 I'm really being honest. And what Jesus is simply saying is, listen, forget all that stuff. Just be honest and you don't have to go there. And at the end of the day, what they were doing is they were entering into something knowing that I want to have a loophole to be able to backstep, to be able to get out from under the truthfulness of my word. And that's what they were doing. And Jesus says, that's crazy. Make sure, make sure that you don't have a reputation for lying. A lot of times people struggle with those things. I heard a story about a farmer, and there was a, there was a farmer, and he was out there on his farm one day, and there was a big bus full of politicians came driving down the road. They had a terrible accident right in front of his farm. Before you know it, he had them all buried in a hole out front. Sheriff came by the house, said, was there an accident in front of your house? Yeah. The bus full of politicians? Yeah. 
He said, you buried them in a hole? He said, yeah. And, and so the sheriff said, well, were they all dead? He said, well, some of them said they weren't, but you know how politicians are. <laughs> we like to throw stones at one another, but the fact of the matter is, it's a serious issue that we struggle with. And what Jesus is simply saying is, hey, listen, <clears throat> make sure that you're not entering into all these oaths flippantly, frivolously. Make sure you're a person of your word that can be trusted, that can be counted on. The Bible says in verse number 37, he went on and he gave a commendation to all. He simply said this, but let your statement be yes, yes, or no, no. Anything beyond these is of evil. In other words, there's a commendation to all or a command for all. And he's just simply saying, hey, make sure that your yes is yes and your no is no. Don't add to it. Just be a person of your word. Proverbs chapter 12 and in verse number 22, the Bible says, Lying lips are an abomination to the Lord, but those who deal faithfully are His delight. The weight of our words. Do you know that James <clears throat> talks about the weight of our words? In the book of James, he says, you know, you know your, words are, your words are like, and he used three different things. He said, your words are like a, like a fire. In other words, here's what we can do with our words. We, we can even use just a few words that'll spark something much greater, sometimes for the building up and sometimes for the tearing down. That's how powerful our words are. And so God, help us to use them wisely. Help us to use them carefully. And a lot of times we say, man, we, we, we said it, and then we say, I didn't mean to say that. Well, yeah, you did, because you said it. Be careful what you say. God, help me filter my lips. God, give me discretion on the weight of my words. He says they're like a fire or, or, or they're like a tiny rudder on a, on a huge ship. In other words, what happens is, man, we can change the course. We can change the direction. You can change people's mindsets with words. You, you, you can destroy reputations or you can build reputations up. You ever had somebody share a, a story about a person and when you met that person you had some preconceived idea about the person you're getting ready to meet and they didn't deliver because the word that was given to you wasn't true? Our words are powerful. So be careful how we use our words. Be careful how we use our words. He says they're, they're, they're like a... Uh, the rudder on a ship, and they're like fire, and they're like bits in horses' mouths. In other words, man, you can control, you can guide, you can direct. In other words, what, what, what we can do is enter into conversations. A lot of times we enter into conversations or we're around conversations that ought not be going on. You ever had those conversations that happen around you, ought not to be happening? You know they ought not to happen. They know they ought not to happen, but they're happening says, you know what your word can do? Change the direction of the conversation. That's what words can do. But in order for us to have weight in our word, we've got to have a reputation that our word is true. God, help me speak truth. When we habitually lie, and when we habitually tell you one thing and do something else, then what happens to our word is we lose weight. We lose weight. Until before long, it's no longer good for anything. And Jesus says, hey, I want you to represent me well. And you cannot represent your father if you're not telling truth. Because he is 
the truth. And the devil is the father of lies. As I said in the beginning, all of us in this place have struggled with not telling truth somewhere along the way. And uh, creates a problem for us. Because God is holy, and God is just, and God is perfect. And so how in the world, how in the world can he allow someone that struggles with that into heaven? Because he has to be just because he's God. But you know what? He's also gracious because he's God. And what he did for me and what he did for you is this. He laid down his life on a cross so that my sin could be forgiven. There's got to be payment or else he wouldn't be just, right? I mean, there's got to be payment for sin or else God wouldn't be a just God. And so that's what the cross is all about. My sin, whatever it might be, because I am a sinner, the Bible says all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And the, and the wages, the payment for sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ. So there's a price to be paid for our sin. And I'm grateful today. Jesus Christ paid the price for your sin and for my sin. And the Bible says, Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And so this morning, I'm just wanting to encourage you today. I don't know where you are, what your background is. It's not about being religious. He was dealing with a religious crowd that was trying to make their way into heaven. And the fact of the matter is, no one ever, ever has gone to heaven by their good works because it's impossible. We're born with a sinful nature. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And the Bible says, But Jesus Christ, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever will believe in him will not perish but have everlasting life. So my question to you this morning is this. We've all sinned. Have you repented and asked Jesus Christ to forgive you, to come into your heart, to be your Lord and your Savior, recognizing I am a sinner and it has separated me from God, but I desire an intimate relationship. There's only one way that can happen. It's through Jesus Christ. And if that's never happened in your life, I'm inviting you today, call on his name. Call on his name today. Hey, what we're going to do in just a moment, we're going to have a prayer, and after we pray, we're going to have a song, and after that song is sung, we're going to have some folks down front today. Maybe here this morning say, man, I'd, I'd like to talk to somebody about salvation. We would love to talk to you this morning. Maybe here this morning you'd say, you know what, I've struggled. It's amazing, it's amazing to me um, what happens to us a lot of times is we dichotomize our life. We say, this is my church life. This is my Christian life. This is what I speak and how I live when I go to church. But then this is my business side. This is what I do on Monday. When the fact of the matter is, Jesus says, hey, same person on Sunday needs to be the same one on Monday, on Tuesday, on Wednesday, on Thursday, on Friday, and on Saturday. Get rid of the dichotomy and just make sure that I'm a man or a woman of my word. And maybe you're here today and you say, you know what, I haven't been, but I want to be. I am so grateful today that we are living during the days of grace where when we repent, we can experience times of refreshing in the presence of God. So God help us, God help us to be people of our word.
Would you do me a favor this morning and join me for a time of prayer today? We're going to pray this morning. and After we pray, we'll be singing a song. And after that song, I'm inviting you to come, even where you are, before God today. God, help me be honest. We're going to be celebrating a baptism in just a few moments. So thankful that God is a God of new beginnings. Father, thank you for this day. Thank you, God, for your love for us. God, that's unconditional. You just love us. Even while we were sinners, you loved us so much that you died for us on the cross. Father, thank you for the price you paid. God, I'm so thankful that, God, you came up from the grave and that you're alive today, a risen Savior, a living hope, seated at the right hand throne of God. And Father, one day, we have the privilege and opportunity to see you. Today, God, today, I'm asking if you would search our hearts and search our minds. Father, I'm praying for those that have never called on your name, that even today, if they've not called on your name, that today would be the day of salvation, that they call on your name, that souls be saved. God, help us to be people of truth. God, that we recognize that our word is our bond. I love you, Lord. I thank you for this morning. I thank you for this moment. In the name of Jesus, we pray these things. Amen.